Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Glue Talk. Um, and today we're really pleased to um, have with us Andy Bates. Uh, hi, Andy. How are you? Hi, Rich. I'm, I'm good. And thanks for thanks for the opportunity. No props. No props. The sun is shining. And um, uh, Andy, did you just want to do a quick introduction as your role at, at Node 4, but also your background as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks again. V very quickly. So security practice director at Node4. So guess what? I run the security practice, which is all about our security solutions and, and products, I guess. I like to talk more about solutions than we do products. Uh, been with Node4 for eight months, depending at the time when you watch the recording, of course. Uh, prior to that, five years with a global not-for-profit, working with people like Interpol, Europol, ICANN, those kind of folks, just uh, just trying to fix the internet from the inside out, I guess. Um, always been in telecoms, always been in technology. I guess famously always done a big government network. So uh, I think from 2000s onwards, I found myself under attack by nation state cyber criminals and those kind of things. So um, if you're watching this, not listening to it, I'm only 32 years old. I've clearly had a tough paper round being on the receiving end of some of when we didn't all quite know how to spell phishing and I, and I still don't. I think I, I got got hit with some of those. So uh, yeah, network engineer gets into security more by necessity and survival, I guess, when uh, when the time when cyber wasn't really a phrase and CISO hadn't been invented, I think. I think uh, I think that's where a lot of people come from, though, isn't it, Andy? You know, they come from the old network side of things and then gradually going through the estate. And uh, I think a lot of the certainly a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years have, have graduated that way um, and gone through, which is it gives you a good grounding. But um, yeah, and obviously you've you've just got back from a, a little trip um, uh, across the um, Atlantic. So, uh, I mean, what what was the what was the driving point for you to to really take a trip? What was the the life moment kind of thing? Um, yeah, I, I guess midlife crisis. So, so I found myself owning a forty foot yacht, and I won't bore you with that. So it was designed to go across oceans, and I thought hit hit the age of 50 and, and I'll go and do that. Um, Kobe, like so many things, pressed the pause button and then we pressed the, the fast forward and play button. But uh, yeah, I thought I've got an ocean going boat. I've been sailing, despite being from Stoke-on-Trent, which is the home of the captain of the Titanic and one of the most landlocked places in the UK. I thought, uh, you know, embrace your fears, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, hit 50, let's uh, let's sail from the UK to the Caribbean. What, what could possibly go wrong, I guess? Amazing, a 40 foot yacht as well. I mean, I'm definitely over beers, mate. You have to tell me the story of how you got that one. So, um, but what what was, was completely I legal, mean, by the way? <laughs> so, the, was involved in this conversation. Yeah, the so you know, I mean, going across, I can't even imagine um, uh, doing that. They probably wouldn't let me on the boat anyway. And if Billy was on the call, he'd probably say it would sink. So, you know, I'd just get that in there, but um. Uh, I think you know how would you, how do you approach the the threats and the risks around you know traveling across the Atlantic, right? Um, yeah, I mean it's a good point. So, so I mean, first of all, you suddenly realise, and just to talk a little bit about communications, we had a thing called HF radio, which means if you spend ages tuning it in, you could talk to other boats, you know, two hundred miles away. We had very limited satellite comms to get weather by email and. You know, the boat was built in 93, but ocean going satellite stuff is like dial up modem. It makes the same noises and, you know, runs at 1200 board and those kind of things. So uh, so Google's out the window. So Google is, is not your friend. So uh, and I guess we can get into this later. If you think about what happens to you when ransomware and what happens to you when, when you're sailing. I mean, number one, uh, you're the captain of a ship. So 
no matter how small the ship is, it's I'm the guy who signed and spoke to people's wives to say I'm going to get us all back alive. And more importantly, because we got to uh, back to the UK for December the 19th, back in time for Christmas. More importantly than alive? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Miss, missing, missing Christmas and, and being alive are two, uh, two highly related facts. So you've got this massive responsibility. So, uh, you know, just getting your head around that. I mean, like I say, the, we pressed pause at 2020. So we were thinking about this for three years. It was a naturally a drunken New Year's Eve party when somebody said, I've always wanted to sail across the Atlantic, but don't know anybody who's got a boat. And I said, I've got a boat. I've never found a crew to sail across the Atlantic. And, and we got it together. Um, how do you prepare? You spend three years obsessively thinking about it. So every moment in the bath or the shower, you go, well, I wonder what happens if the swaggle flange falls off and, and those kind of things. Um, naturally, we've done some training runs. So, you know, we've been to the Silly Isles and, and put in a thousand nautical miles. So you you incrementally build up with the crew you've got. And, you know, we did swap some of the people in the crew in that kind of journey. But uh, yeah, a lot of it, the parallels to, I guess, normal life are planning, thinking about it. You know, no Gantt charts were involved. No Gantt charts were harmed during, during this process, but certainly big spreadsheets, thinking about what happens if things go wrong, getting the right people. Um, but yeah, you know, in the IT industry, we say, well, hey, nobody died today. And, and hopefully that's the truth. But uh, yeah, it's if you can sail in the Solent, you can sail in the Atlantic. It's all about having enough few, food and diesel and morphine and injections. And yeah, so my wake up call when I went to the local pharmacist and uh, spent 500 pounds on a whole load of medical stuff that I thought, I really hope I don't have to use this. Then uh, that's uh, the thought of how to stick an injection in someone's butt in four meter waves is, uh, is something I don't relish. <laughs> No, no, I can see that. But but actually, I mean, you, you bring back the analogies really well to, um, you know, how, how you've approached, obviously, in your career. You've had loads of illustrious career uh, aspects around the security side of things and that planning, you know, lots of people doing that planning side of things. You said you swapped out a couple of people on the boat as well, like you would do in, in your in your infrastructure or like you would do against your security um piece where you're prodding and making holes to to make uh, to do that defense in protection um aspects as well right so um i find it fascinating that you can you can everything that you do in your career and you understand how you approach those aspects you can then translate into selling across the selling across yeah. the ocean right yeah so, so, and uh I'm told I'm more grumpy as a skipper. I think I tend to be a bit of a bonhomie kind of, kind of boss. But uh, actually, that is the point. You don't want to fall out with anybody when you're when you're kind of 14 days across a 21 day mission. So uh, sometimes keeping it zip, but also sometimes letting people know who's in charge is uh, it's it's probably that's the biggest difference. I would say that in work, particularly in the current any kind of work climate, you know, there's limits to where you can go with things when you are literally a thousand miles from land and it's three meters of depth, sorry, three miles of depth of water and, you know, things are going wrong. Somebody's got to, got to call the shots, I guess. I guess as distinct to normal IT, except for when you are under attack and when you've got a crisis, when you've got a ransomware, you know, sometimes you've got to make decisions in a minute and you're going to regret some of that stuff. But yeah, the, the key point is getting everybody through it alive and then, you know, you can normally normally fix some things around when we got a rope wrapped around a propeller again a thousand miles from brazil that was a bit of a moment and and you're going to ask me why did we use the propeller and it's because we had no wind for about 400 miles but uh there you go yeah but but um yeah and i mean uh, obviously with covid you know during that that period as well where you were doing the planning um you know and lots of people now not back in the office so you know 
Um, I was with a customer yesterday and, and they were saying around, you know, the digital workforce completely changed and um, they're now looking at closing offices. Um, so they've got offices in London, they've got offices up north. Uh, they're closing those offices and they're going, um, they're going to go 70% remote um, because people now are, they, they're not wanting to come back into the office because for the last two years they've proven that they can still be efficient and, and keep the company running. So um, I'll be honest with you, I do like to come into the office sometimes and see people and interact, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but being locked, locked on a boat with them for 21 days, it's, it's bad enough that I have to be at home for 21 days with my wife and kids, let alone even that I, I don't know. Um, so just coming, just coming back to, to work then, um, you know, where obviously you're back, um, where are you really seeing customers struggling uh, now? What, what do you think the, the key aspects that, that you're seeing in your customers with, with no fall what, what are you seeing the key things that they're coming to you and and asking you about yeah i mean it's a good question so and it and it's easy to typify across a customer base of of three thousand so i'll i'll try and avoid that um i think one problem is people still like buying flashy boxes with lights on you know so i think we could sell a shoe box with with four leds on it and call it the cybertron 9000 and, and people would like it and as you and me both know you know security is as much about people about layer eight in the OSI seven layer stack is the biology level. So we are doing a lot more of awareness and training and engaging people. And we're doing our own webinar where we where we talk about stuff. Um, ransomware is obviously a big thing. So the CEO, so I'm seeing that the board of one of our customers, big customer fairly soon, because the CEO picks up the phone to the CIO and says, what are we doing about ransomware? They call me and say, what am I doing about ransomware? And the answer is frankly, not enough. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so we're we're working with a dark web company because the concept of listening on the dark web and knowing you're going to be attacked at day T minus 50 as opposed to today is zero day. Surprise, everybody. Let's have a zero day party and run around and nothing works kind of thing. Um, I am still shocked and I'm going to sound boring about this, that really basic stuff where your admin password is a password, not MFA. And the admin's password is the admin's name with some numbers and funny squiggly characters at the end. And, and we kind of think that's going to be OK. It's kind of not okay. Um, and why is that? I think we're, we're a mid-tier provider who really, you know, specializes in mid-tier organizations of a similar size. So I think all the big names, the Barclays, the HSBCs, the British governments, you know, they're spending hundreds of millions on cyber. And I think the criminals aren't really going after them anymore. So they're going after yeah. their customers. So I always say it's better to steal 10 million by stealing a hundred pounds of 10,000 people, if I've still got my mental arithmetic right. So it's almost, if I can draw as kind of sandwich, the top tier have kind of got it sorted. Joe Public, my mum and dad, your granny are getting impacted, so their customers. But I think our customer base are probably the next um, the next land grab. So we're suddenly seeing more attacks happen. I mean, this week alone, we've seen three customers attacked. And in two cases, people thought it was, well, one big case, thought it was a misconfiguration of their cloud. Suddenly all their clouds got really busy terabytes of data moving around and we're going and we sure this isn't some kind of attack going on and in one case it wasn't in the other case it, it was so mm. i think that kind of healthy paranoia you know actually recognizing you are under attack is a is a bit of a struggle which is obviously why you need a sark and you know that kind of that kind of expertise and then i guess finally going back to the layer eight point um guess what you know there's there's loads of job vacancies in the uk so 
you know you can make good money um in cyber but you can make good money driving a train driving a truck so it's uh, it's kind of quite competitive in in the job market so actually hiring the right people difficult um i've made a point of hiring people particularly not white middle-aged middle-class oxbridge educated males who don't know about cyber into the world of cyber and i think i've done reasonably well hiring uh, women in their 50s who've been in the police force and those kind of things and getting them to their if you like the midpoint level not not maybe the the ninja level so yeah everybody's struggling with staff um we're doing quite well with that being a technological organization but i think our customers are, are struggling which again is a reason to call in experts like ourselves as opposed to so so i guess where do i conclude on that people are thinking less about buying boxes and doing it themselves and hopefully coming to organizations like you like us and doing it a bit more but I, I selfishly would like that trend to accelerate, and I don't think that news has landed just yet. Yeah, well, so uh, so I hundred percent agree, and I think uh, certainly on the on the people skills perspective, right, it's it's probably worse than it ever has been. So obviously, it's always been a it's always been a struggle, right? Um, even even for the last five years, but I think that's really um, really taking its toll now, um, and we are seeing more and more customers. Um, wanting to consume uh, services as a service, right? So, you know, uh, they, they've moved their stuff to the cloud. They're no use to that. We want to pay monthly model. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously where Glue is helping partners is move to Unity based models as opposed to going and selling widgets, right? Um, and and the, the, the I think the customer base is now starting to get into the mindset of actually um, I wouldn't say commoditized security because I don't think it is a commodity, but that kind of mentality yeah. of I'm going to go and buy it as a service because then it's there. Um, uh, I still think, you know, um, one of the big challenges certainly that we see is, um, that, like you said, around the foundations, right? So customers understanding their foundations. So the amount of customers that I go into and talk to, um, which is fantastic, right? I love talking to, to customers. Um, but they, you know, you say, have you got an up-to-date CMDB? And the blank face goes and, you, and they say, oh, well, we, we know some of them. And it's like, well, if you don't understand your assets and you don't understand where your data is, obviously a data asset, and you don't, then how are you going to understand the vulnerabilities and the threats to be able to produce risk, right? It's to like understand risk. So it's like saying I've got this phone book, but somebody's ripped out all the B's and all the S's. But it's pretty good most of the time, isn't it? So it's either things like that. It's either all or nothing. And you're right. And slightly touching on the sailing and, and back to COVID. You know, loads of people in my demographic have gone. I'm going to go and play golf two days a week, or go sailing four days a week, or do whatever. And that's that's taken a skill set. Unfortunately, the grey haired people like you and me, there's a lack of that experience gone out of the marketplace. And, yeah. uh, you know, may, maybe now everybody's gas bill has gone up and everybody's pensions have been snookered. We'll, we'll see some of those those folks come back into the marketplace. And I know, you you know, you've got a specialism in that kind of space. But, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? And And it also begs the question when those people do leave. Is everything really well documented? Well, of course it isn't. And you can't be having a chat with somebody over a coffee to work out how something works. So, uh, so yeah, I think, and I guess it touches back on the boat technology, doesn't it? That you have to take your knowledge with you once you're isolated. And, you know, once those people have left the workforce, a lot of experience is gone and AI and the other cool technologies aren't really, you know, chat GPT is not going to replace the stuff that's just walked out the door, you know? No, it's not. It is pretty cool for writing blogs, but but no, it's not. I, I was I was with someone the other day. They said they've integrated uh, Chat GPT into their sock, 
I was like, are the SOC people like, what do I do in a cyber attack? It's like, you know, um, I'm not really sure what it's gonna what it's gonna achieve. Certainly in the in the SOC element. Um, so what what do you um, obviously you said what, what do you think the biggest um, in the mid tier? Um, we've touched on obviously the the people element. Um, I'm still seeing a lot of ransomware coming out and um, and a lot of phishing attacks. Right, so they're they're accelerating. Um, I, I still think the biggest gap in the market, you correct me if you're if I'm wrong, um, is is education, right? So um, that seems to have dipped, in my opinion, certainly over the last couple of years because of maybe COVID, people working remotely, security awareness programs being stepped back. Um, are, are you seeing the same kind of thing? I think so. I have to feel for the users and, uh, you know, those of us who've heard me speak before are going to be bored with this analogy. But, you know, if the water industry was like the Internet, we pump dirty water to your house, we'd sell you a water purification plant for your kitchen. We call it a firewall. You still get a virus and we'll blame the Russians, Russians or even worse, <laughs> we blame the users. But uh, somebody sent me a phishing link where the A had been swapped out for a Cyrillic A. So just by yeah, changing cool. the ASCII character set and I fell for it and I'm thinking, so 99.9% of other people are gonna gonna click on that sucker. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the industry's a bit of fault. We don't make cyber sexy enough, if if I'm allowed to say that. So there's a there's a book I give to most CEOs I make called Whaling for Beginners. Whaling being a big fish, as we all know. I know a whale's yeah. technically a mammal, but let's pass over that that detail. It spoils a good story. It, it's a novel that gives you the visceral feeling of you've been under cyber attacks. You get that feeling in your belly, and it gets you emotionally connected. So yeah, we do training, but it's the mandatory thing that somebody does with a mince pie at Christmas and then they've ticked compliance and then then we're cracked mm -hmm. on. So, you know, I've seen organizations who've done storification or done 3D headsets and it's cool stuff and a wee bit expensive. I go back to, you know, the amount of customers who don't have PDNS, so protective DNS. So if you do click yeah. on a link, you've got a 90% a chance it's not going to get through. So, you know, whether you're using Mimecast or Quad9 or Fortinet, you know, the amount of people who could turn on those features and and they haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you know we're seeing a resurgence of DLP. I mean, DLP was was the TLA that we all thought was going to be the thing a few years ago, and I think DLP 2.0 maybe with a bit of AI thrown in, um, it's starting to get there because the amount of people who've accidentally sent a really important file to someone and then oh well it was an accident I sent it by accident when actually they thoroughly intended to send all of their prices to their competitors they're just about to join you know so uh, I know when I was at Verizon the DBIR. Uh, the annual data breach investigation report, one of the biggest causes was insider threat. And the insider threat, one of the biggest items was error. Yet the user, if you get caught, you're going to say you did it as a, oh, I, I didn't put my hands up, I'm a criminal. You're going to go, oh, sorry, I clicked on the wrong it was button. An accident. Yeah. And we, we give them systems that allow you to do that. If you're in an aircraft or you're running a railway system, the interlocking is such that you're not really allowed to crash into mountains. There's computers that help you to make the wrong, not make the right decision, make the wrong decision, you know, et cetera. But in IT, we it's the other way around. We almost encourage bad behavior. We allow it to happen. So, so yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a long decompress of, of where things are. But uh, so I do agree with you. I, I just I just feel for the users that we we can build them a better Internet and better systems, you know. But but I think you pick up on something really important there. So I, I uh, you know, I know one of your strap lines is you know it's overcomplicated, right? So we're overcomplicating cyber. Um, we need to do the foundations. We need to do that. And and I'm seeing that um, 
one of the things around uh, you, you, you said around the products, right? So if I bought Mimecast and you said they haven't enabled the feature sets, how many customers out there have gone and bought product sets, doesn't matter what product sets they are, and actually are making the best use of their investment that they've already done? And because companies go out and they say, right, okay, well, we need you know this part for antivirus and this part for EDR, and we're going to go and get this part over here. Actually, there's this crossover um, and I feel that some people are overcomplicating it by selling products as opposed to understanding. Yeah, so you agree? You agree with that? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the the telly that I'm watching this call on or monitor, I guess is the right word. It's probably got shed loads of features that I bought it with, but you don't you, you buy things according to features and then you sometimes get too busy to turn them on. And you're right. And and I mean, Microsoft's so a Microsoft Defender, a whole load of cool stuff really integrates well with our SARC how many people thoroughly understand the full-on Microsoft licensing? You almost need a PhD with it. So, so yeah, Microsoft, forgive me for saying this, but I think they'd say it. They don't make their own licensing the easiest thing to go do. So, yeah, we make it a big tech fest, a big tech soup, don't we? And so mm-hmm. not easy for, for customers. So, so I try and avoid jargon. I try and talk to CEOs and CIOs on a business level, business outcome level. How do you want to do this? As opposed to you know link linkedin is full of people who want to sell you the latest cybertron 10,000 widget and yeah buying widgets buying widgets is cool and it's good i had lunch with a ceo of a fintech company this week and he wanted to talk about quantum encryption and yeah it's really funky but again you know i you haven't got dmart turned on you haven't done pdns you haven't done these other things we haven't done database replication need to do that as well so it's it's like with all management, all layer eight biology things, you need a little bit of fun for five or 10% of the time and you need Billy Basic for the other 90%. And it's it's getting that blend right, isn't it? So yeah. there's, there's never a binary answer to security questions. I hate the yeah. answer, it depends, but I think that nice blend, it's, it's about shades of gray rather than all or nothing, I guess. Cool. So um, so what, what's next on the, on the sailing front, Andy? Uh, got to get the boat back if anybody wants to be part of my crew if you anybody wants to sail from the caribbean via the azores back to the uk i'm, I'm short on crew at the moment so yeah okay so um uh, so a call out to everybody who watches this then if you'd like to go sailing with andy then drop him a note uh we'll certainly put your link in as well andy so um and, and i know you do a webinar um as well so certainly looking forward to to watching some of those so brilliant andy thank you very much for joining us um thanks again really great for our for our listeners so thank you very much great have a good time bye bye